Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Let's Auto with Ed Cunningham, a show at the intersection of sports, sports media, Hollywood, and hopefully life itself. I'm the executive producer and host, Ed. In this episode, we huddle with Emmy-winning live TV director Patrick McManus. He's directed just about every major sporting event, from college football to the Olympics, then reality TV came calling. Patrick has been directing American Ninja Warrior since season six, and that has opened many doors in the reality competition format. I worked with Patrick for several years at ABC, and he's been on my list to interview since the beginning of the show. He's smart, passionate, supremely talented, and he has one of the coolest jobs in America. One audio note. There was a sound that sounded like quarters being shifted back and forth in someone's palm that we couldn't figure out. So just picture Patrick, a big-time TV director, leaning back in his chair and rolling some spare change around in his hand. This is Give Me One Hook with Patrick McManus. It's sort of weird to do this with people I've worked with and known for so many years. So I went back and you know looked at your history and what you do. And what I realized is you have one of those jobs, especially in certain circles in New York and Los Angeles, where people lean forward, right? If you're mm-hmm. at a cocktail party, hey, Patrick, what do you do? I'm a, oh, live, yeah. TV, <laughs> I'm a live TV director, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you pitch yourself, if you're trying to impress or, you know, maybe it's an exec or something, how do you define what you do uh, and what your title is? You know, I've sort of leaned towards some different shows now that, are larger scale, but take more coordination. Like I don't really focus on like trying to do NBA games or college hoops or NHL because uh, it's hard to really separate what you can do, what you can create from everybody else. Pretty much all looks the same. It's a function of how much hardware you have at your, at your stadium, whether it's the Rose bowl or uh you know, a Rutgers versus Temple. It's, there's a big difference between how much hardware you have out there. So to differentiate yourself is more of a function of hardware than it is uh, your skill set. Right. But like a show like, uh, for example, American Ninja Warrior, you know, we have a massive crew, you know, a few hundred people on that show. And it's about getting all the departments on the same train to get to the same place. And so it's, you got to know lighting, you got to know audio, you got to know set design, you got to know production design, you got to know uh, how the ADs keep everybody moving, keep the crowds moving, keep the athletes going. Safety is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Think about every little nuance. Is someone going to trip and fall on this rock if they're running with a camera? Well, let's sweep all those rocks up. So there's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. And I think as a director, I think everyone needs someone to to basically lead them in a certain direction. And I think that's the stuff that I try to focus on. I have an interesting sort of way of looking at things. There's a lot of people who direct shows and it's like a a pyramid. They're at the top, right? They Mm -hmm. put themselves at the top and they put like all the workers and everyone at the bottom. And then everyone else is like, they, they, they fill in like, Oh, the bosses are the next important thing to what I need to do. And then it's somebody else. And it's the crews elect the last thing. I sort of flip it. When I get hired on a show, I think what's, what's the end goal? Well, the end goal is the show. Whatever we want it to be. That's the most important thing to me. The next thing is the crew. 
if you have a strong crew that knows the direction that you want to go and where you all want to be and takes you, rides along with you to do that, that's the most important thing. Because if you don't have a crew that buys into what you're doing, you're going to struggle. The next one I would say is the audience, because the audience will really know what they like. People, I mean, you can think about what ratings are going to be and what shows will get a lot of, you know, viewers. But it's next thing you know, it's uh, there's a lot of executives who can be really wrong. The next thing below that is the executives. I mean, there are a lot of times I'm like, these people are making the decisions for different reasons than than what we what everybody else is doing. Mm. And then the last one is me. So some directors, they put themselves at the top. I sort of put myself at number five out of five. Because if I take care of everything, think about everybody else first, then it's all going to work out for me. Yeah, that was my experience. We worked together uh, for years and your crew was amazing. Good people brought a lot to their role. Thought like you. <laughs> I, I always noticed that with your crew. Your answer was the same as theirs a lot of times. And so I, I witnessed that. It worked really well as we worked together on college football. You know, and bringing up football is one important thing. I've always said, and the announcers, when you're in a booth, you see everything on the field. I only see what camera people are pointing their lenses towards. So I have to sort of develop that narrative thinking, a logical sequence that things you know, look in order. It doesn't take the viewer a long time to reorient and to be sensitive towards the most important thing that happens on the field at any particular time. I tell my crews, if we're doing, say, Penn State, Ohio State, we have to know as much about the best fans of those two teams. Mm. We cannot be lost. We got to know it. And I tell my, the camera people, I said, I don't see it all. If you're on the field and you see or you out of the side of your headset or your viewfinder, you see a coach, you know, going after somebody or whatever. You, I have to trust that you're going to get that shot. And you don't have to explain it to me. I just have to know that you are sensitive towards what's important in the field. And if I say, you have a shot, yes, take it. And then you and Mike Patrick or Brent or whoever else your team's with upstairs will pick that up and we'll go with it. Mm -hmm. So we have to really be sensitive towards what's important on the field. And we got to prepare. It's all about preparation and then instinct. You have to know the game, but you have to prepare. How do you, because, you know, I knew you for years um, just as a live sports director. What was the pivot? You've done a lot of reality competition. Obviously, I think you're up to 100 episodes of American Ninja Warrior at this point. Yeah. How, Mm -hmm. what was that pivot? How did you, were you looking for a different challenge? Did it find you? Well, I think as a director, you have the ability to economize your time and work for more clients. As a producer, you get bogged down into a lot of the minutiae of putting a show on the air. Commercial integration, opening formats, graphics, statistics. You know, really, it's a lot of directors. I could, if you told me I had to go direct uh, an NFL game in two days from now, just give me the rosters and how much equipment do we have? You know, I'll go look at a bunch of tape, talk to the announcers, but carry on and do the game in two days. If you are producing that game you have to Mm. drill down way more deeply so it's much more time intensive eats up a lot more of your days so as a director i had the ability sometimes to 
go do a WWE show on a Monday and go do a car race uh, in Long Beach on a on a Saturday. So mm. you could do two shows in a week. And then I was I I get a little bored doing the same thing over and over. So I just started to look around and uh, try to explore and challenge myself and was fortunate enough to have some great shows land on my lap. And Ninja War being one of them. Hyperdrive is another show on Netflix. Ultimate Beastmaster. Every single basically content provider these days is looking for content. And if you are able to adapt to the new media, to what's going on and what's going to be, you know, the next thing, then you have to go for it. Because if you want to create some value for yourself, you have to do it in certain ways where you're just not going to do the same thing over and over. If you're a full-time employee, say at NBC or at ABC, look at all the people at NBC. You know, they lost the NHL. They kept a lot of people busy for a lot of years and a lot of shows. And then goodbye. Mm. So you have to be able to reinvent yourself, adapt to the ever-changing environments and embrace it and contribute to it. It helps to be on a show like American Ninja Warrior that is a beast. I mean, it's a massive audience, right? What is the biggest challenge? You know, you were kind enough to invite me on set and I was really impressed. The size of it blew my mind. I mean, I just couldn't believe how much you all were working with, but also the care everyone took. And there seemed to be a really collegial, a good esprit de corps. What, what's sort of the key to the longevity and, and what, you know, feels fresh every time you watch them. I know a lot of it's the athletes, but what do you all do on the producer and director side that keeps it? Relevant? Yeah, I go, the producers really, really, really every year have to think of new things to try to keep the show, you know, relevant. If you watch shows from six, seven years ago, they look totally different. They feel totally different. Uh, and they have been incredible at telling stories, finding stories, and creating, uh, I call them gimmicks, but they're creating obstacles. You know, sometimes we try to do things to, uh, in the show, but creating the obstacles that are really hard enough that they're super competitive. And then not too hard that no one can do them. But, Mm. you know, on our show, the interesting thing, as far as the contestants, people don't really care if you go one obstacle or 10, because everyone is different. You know, some people we've had, you know, have amputees have come on the show and, you know, they're not going to do some of the, some of the obstacles, but if they get through two, that's big for them. Yeah. And, And on the other side, the production side, Everyone buys into the show and everyone supports each other. And, and that has what's made it really great. Everyone comes back. I mean, the way their shooting schedule works, there's always about two, three weeks off between each show. So it's hard to book people, but everyone usually makes uh, time in their schedule to do that show because they, uh, they all love being a part of it. It's, it's been a great run. It's really amazing. It's really an amazing sort of project to be on. And, you know, you mentioned the producer side and, you know, having to dive into that. Now you have opportunities to work as a producer, as a creator, as a show creator. How have you pivoted in the last, you know, 
12, 18, 24 months, getting towards not just directing something else someone else is making, but directing something you're making. How I know you've been building out a business. What's how's that front coming along? Yeah, it's in- interesting. So when the pandemic hit, you know, we were in Los Angeles and they sent everybody home on one of my shows and we got back and we're like, what are we going to do? And we started to just talk to a bunch of different people. And I have a lot of really skilled people that I'm fortunate enough to work with who didn't have a lot going on. We ended up doing uh, a bunch of virtual shows like uh, in the gaming business. So mm-hmm. we did a, uh, a show on Facebook live. I think over 2.5 million people watched it. It was a, it was put together by an agency, a bunch of celebrities playing Mario Nintendo tennis. <laughs> we did the show out of my house <laughs> with people all over the world. And it was, it was mind boggling. I, I couldn't believe it worked two weeks before we did it. We had no idea what technology we were going to use, but Serena Williams was on it. Venus, John McEnroe it just went on and on and on. And then wow. we were the group that sent all the hardware out did an amazing job and Uh, And ever since then, we've been doing many virtual shows for all kinds of different clients from all over the world where people are working from their homes and uh, in the technology. It's sort of it's mind boggling. It's a little frightening because of it will displace a lot of jobs down the road. Yeah. You're talking about digital media and the cost of content. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the part that, you know, as a producer, getting direct to consumer rather than having to go through a media partner is both enticing and completely scary (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, I've produced a lot of content. I haven't marketed a lot of content and that's the key. If you're going to get out there in that digital world, social media marketing. And, you know, for me, I go back to my sports background, how, you know, everyone has a different career path and how they got where they got, what started you in directing? How did you begin in the business? And, you know, I know it was sports first, but where did it all sort of come together for you? You know, since I was a kid, I always wanted to direct television shows, mm-hmm. sports especially. So I was fortunate in what high was school. It, what was it as a kid that was watching them? Yeah. Did you know watch, that, most watch, people don't even know that job exists until you yeah, explain it to them. It's interesting. Yeah. I remember all the old directors, Chet Forty and Ted Nathanson and all these people and uh, Sandy Grossman that watching these games uh, when I was in high school and college. And I said, uh, I want to do that. I know I could do that. So when I was in high school, they had the PGA championship at uh, a club in Pittsburgh, Oakmont country club. And I got a job as a gopher for Jim McKay and the ABC crew. That was my first job in television. I got paid, paid 35 bucks, $35 a day. And I uh, worked on the PGA in 1978. Then I went after college, I became a gopher. So I moved to New York city and just became a statistician, a runner, whatever I could do on the weekends. And in 1986, ABC hired me as a production assistant. Mm. I was a PA for a little over two years, two and a half years. And then I became an associate director in 1988 after the Olympics in Calgary. And I always wanted to stay away from producing and move towards directing. And they were yeah, the company was not really promoting people from inside to become producers. They would bring people in from the outside to become directors. So I sort of passed up some opportunities to produce more shows, but I only wanted to direct, started to direct some football games in 91. 
And then 1999, I was directing about half the season. And I was doing a bunch of shows like the World Gymnastics Championships and shows like that. And I told uh, my bosses that I wanted to either be a, I wanted to be a full-time director. So they gave me a chance. I left the company as a full-time employee and then had a contract at ABC every year as a director until last year. Mm. And then I branched out and started to do a bunch of different things outside the company of ABC. So they basically used me for college football for 15, 17 weeks a year. They used me for the IndyCar series and a bunch of other shows. And I did uh, a Super Bowl in 2003, the directed the pregame halftime postgame in 2006. I was the coordinating director of the Steelers in the, um, in the uh, Seahawks. So mm. I just, Always wanted to direct since I was a kid and uh, fortunate enough to uh, to do it. And now I still get to try a lot of, a lot of new different things out. It's been, it's been exciting. Yeah. I mean, when I was on the set of American Ninja Warrior, because, you know, we have big crews doing big college games together. <laughs> but that was a whole different beast when I walked on that set and saw how much you were in charge of. Uh, it was uh, quite different. That's for sure. What you mentioned, you sort of talked about the difference between producer and director earlier in the live TV realm. Was it the minutia of the producer job because there is so much detail? Was it because ultimately you have final say of what the audience sees as director? Right. Was there something that you that, wanted to be that close to the content? Yeah, I think that live television is more of a director's median than anything else. Uh, you know, it, it is the last sort of not line of defense. It's the, the last thing that comes out of my mouth is the next thing that's on the air. I like the challenge of being uh, in a fast paced area where you had to be able to do two or three things at once. It's almost like playing music and listening to your other bandmates. You know, you got to keep time and you got to listen to the singer. You got to listen to watch the conductor. Who knows? You just. So a lot of little variables that come in and directing. It is a director's medium. I think there's a producer. You have more responsibility towards what the announcers say, getting a lot of the obligations in, sales obligations, commercials, promos, mm. billboards, and working with your talent upstairs is very important for the producer. As the director, it's more about taking all those pieces of the puzzle and putting them in and putting them in a logical sequence that makes sense to the viewer, but builds drama and creates the whole essence of what the show's all about. Like when I listen to music, a lot of times I think of what shots I would take when that performance is being played, mm. you know, uh, whereas I think some people just listen to the words. I don't listen to the words. I listen to the, to the whole song and try to think, Oh yeah, that would be the most compelling thing. So one thing about, Back to football or sports, it's what I like to quickly find what's the most compelling thing, tell that story in a quick, concise, and in an entertaining way. Mm. So you and I, with the sports background, and you've done massive events, we're going to go with two stories as we finish up here. And you can choose which one you want to do first. The coolest moment you directed and you and your crew nailed it. And it was dramatic and huge and big. So that's number one or two. And then the other story is just sideways disaster on air. Things just blew up in your face. <laughs> in a way that, you wow. know, when, when something crashes or whatever. So pick which one you want to do first. 
Well, there's a lot of little things that can go wrong, you know, on, in, in, on TV shows, power problems, all kinds of things can de- derail you, but that's also a sign of, you know, leadership and how you deal with that adversity when things break, mm. keep that, keep the train on the tracks and keep rolling down the road. As far as great events, I think a really fun event that I did with Keith Jackson and Dan Fouts, and Todd Harris was the, I think it was the 2002 BCS national championship game, Ohio state and Miami. It was a three overtime game, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I even watched that show today. Someone put, put on our show open and uh, it looked really good, even on an old, you know, square five, two, five signal, not a HD signal. And Keith Jackson opening up the show, talk about Craig Krenzel and, uh, you know, in Ohio state and it was, Jim Tressel on the sideline, and there was a, some big calls in that game. Big, uh, there was a holding yeah. call in the end zone, uh, which the referee called it pass interference, but it was holding. It gets enforced the same way, but there was some c- confusion about what the call was. Mm. And I think that Dan Fouts was all over. I was proud of our coverage, and I think you know working with Keith Jackson was just just an amazing thing. And that show just had. And then everything a great game should have. And it was just, it took everything out of the whole crew and everyone was on the same page and, you know, everyone just focused on all the little details. And and that was probably one of the most, you know, exciting shows that just all came together. That thing holds up in a way, because there was recently, I saw online a debate about that holding versus, pass interference mm-hmm. and there was a clip from the game and i you know i didn't know you had directed that game but i you know i remember thinking you know that game is indelible in college football fans minds i think you're right it was it was it was a lot of fun and everyone on our crew i always tell tell the crew when the game is good we gotta be great we cannot miss things we cannot make mistakes on out of bounds plays. Where's the ball? Where's the placement? What does the viewer need to see at home? Where's the hero? Where's the goat? Who did something good? Like who did something bad? Like we always try to follow through and carry that thread through the whole game of where we are. And uh, I think we did a really good job at it. I think the one game that you'll watch now, the Sunday night football telecast, I think is like that every week. They Mm. do just some amazing work. They really do. Well, I, you know, I spent many years uh, up in the booth with you doing it and it, you know, your crew and those guys are still friends. I still text with them. And I think a lot of what you do on shows like American Ninja Warrior and stuff uh, off the field, it shows through. I don't remember us missing anything, Patrick, when I worked with you. And sometimes as an announcer, you don't see it all. And having that picture that shows the ball definitely moved when he hit the ground people don't realize how much orchestration that takes to get that shot. And you, you're terrific at it. Well, here's one more thing. And I think it's a testament to you and the people like you in the booth. I always, as I watch a game at home, I always say to myself, the announcers need to tell me something I didn't know, or I didn't notice. Now, some announcers after a play, some color analysts, they'll talk about, they'll make like six or eight or 10 points after just a simple six yard game. I say, if I can't follow them as a director, you cannot follow them as a viewer. Mm. Give me one hook 
give me one hook that I can look for. Here's an example. Say, like Tony Romo, I think, does some things very nice, well sometimes. when he Because he talks a lot pre-snap. And here's an example. Gronkowski would go wide left. I don't know. Pick a player. Ike Taylor covering him. They'll say, look, look at Gronk. Six, seven. Ike Taylor is what? Six feet, five left. I'm not saying he's going to talk to, uh, to Gronk, but that's a matchup. That's something to look at, right? Yeah. So it's the little things, and Chris Collins where it does this well, and you did it well. You give a viewer a little hook. Hey, watch this. And if sometimes if you keep – and another thing, not only tell the announcer something or tell the viewer something you didn't know or notice, but don't tell them everything you think you know. Mm. That just – because people just tune you out. Say something yeah. simple. Get in and get out. You got another three and a half hours to go. What's next? What are you working on in the future that uh, you can talk about? I'm going to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports Festival this weekend. So we're doing <laughs> bodybuilding, a strong man, and slap fighting. Oh, my gosh. And 60 other sports. 100,000 people show up to this thing for three days. It's quite it's, it's, it's an amazing event. It's in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And then uh, the Ninja Warrior starts up in uh, two weeks. So mm. we'll be back there. And then it just goes on and on. Something else will show up in a month or two from now. <laughs> I always say jobs are like subways. You miss one, wait five minutes. Yeah, if you're one of the best directors in TV, sports, and competition reality shows, Patrick, that's usually the way it works out. Take that next train. You know, you'll get to Grand <laughs> Central sooner or later. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Nice to reconnect. I look forward to riding the same subway again soon. You can catch American Ninja Warrior on NBC. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. You can follow the show on social media, Twitter, at Let's Huddle With. Facebook, Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham. Instagram, Let's underscore huddle underscore with underscore Ed. And if you want to come to our webpage, go to believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. You can scroll through their impressive lineup then search up Let's Huddle to get to our homepage. Reach out, let us know what you think, any corrections, people or stories you'd like to hear about and from. Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham is a production of True Stories Incorporated and is edited by Ryan Lindsay of Fushaw Media. The Believe team on the Let's Huddle Beat, producers Alex Disopoulos, Joe DeLeon, Josh Fisher, audio engineers Carter, Connor Haynes, Cam Rogers help out with the marketing, and my first contact at Team Believe, Ron Husenstam, the chief exec. Thanks, everyone, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.